Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This thing was alive. Nature's deadliest organisms. When left untreated, it's 100% fatal. They can hijack our bodies. He was just a shell of his former self. Get me out! Disable our immune systems. He looked like hamburger meat. And eat us from within. She was bellowing, screaming. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. David Weersing and Carissa Crow live in the small town of Joplin, Missouri. For them, it's the perfect place to raise their two sons, 14-year-old Nathan and 16-year-old Stephen. Joplin's a nice town. You really don't have to worry too much about your kids playing. Nathan's always been quiet, never gave us too much trouble. But Stephen did have a rebellious stage. Um, he liked to do his own thing. <laughs> when Stephen was growing up, he was a hand boy. He was this really high-strung kid, always into things, and you just couldn't control him. But after 12 years of marriage, David and Carissa go their separate ways. Even though me and David divorced, we decided that we was going to be both active in the kids' lives. But this family is about to splinter even further. It was a nice day in May. I was outside doing some yard work. Then all of a sudden, clouds started moving in. The wind had started to pick up. So Carissa takes shelter. I started to watch the news. They said a tornado was moving through the area. I tried to get a hold of Stephen and Nathan because I was concerned. Unable to reach her sons, Carissa calls her ex-husband. He tells her that Nathan is safe, but... He hasn't heard from Stephen. I texted Stephen, there's a tornado heading your way. Be careful. 
And I never heard another word from him. I really was hoping nothing was wrong. A catastrophic tornado over half a mile wide tears through the town of Joplin, destroying the southern part of the city, leaving 157 people dead in its wake. With no word from Stephen, David drives to the local hospital. I got to the hospital and, and I seen the chaos of doctors, medical personnel trying to revive people. That's something I never want to see again in my life. I stopped each and every person that I could find looking for my son. A lady in scrubs who had blood all over who was a surgeon. I said, he has a tattoo on his right arm. She says, a tattoo? The surgeon leads David to an unconscious boy with a 15-inch trauma wound on his chest. I looked at him, and she put his right arm over, and she said he was stable, and it was a miracle. And my son was alive. David calls Carissa, and she rushes to the hospital. I was so relieved. I thought, he's here, he's alive, so that's all that matters. At this point, me and David decided that we was going to put all differences aside and just work with each other for the sake of Stephen. For three days, Carissa and David stay by Stephen's side as doctors tend to his injuries. Despite over 100 deaths from the tornado, doctors manage to stabilize Stephen. Incredibly, it appears he's on the path to recovery. The bruising had gone down, the cuts were starting to heal, and I thought, well, he's going to be okay. I was feeling positive. I, I thought, okay, we can do this, and um, he, he'll be better. But two days later, Carissa notices something strange. His hands and his feet were really swollen. And I was just wondering why that could be happening. The doctors thought that it had to do with an infection in his body. Doctors prescribed Stephen a cocktail of antibiotics. But after three days, there is still no improvement. The doctor said that he was starting to look worse. It was just more swelling, and his blood pressure was all over the place. The doctors just didn't seem to know what they was dealing with. Unable to treat the mysterious infection, doctors airlift Stephen over 150 miles away to Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City, Missouri. There, pediatric infectious disease specialist Dr. Marianne Jackson takes up the case. And straight away, she notices something odd about Stephen's trauma wounds. He had a large gaping hole on the right side of the chest that was extensively covered with black material. It looked like black patent leather. It was dead tissue that had been invaded by an unusual organism. That night, doctors wheeled Stephen into the operating room. We removed all the superficial dead tissue that we could. But the tissue that was still present did not look healthy. And we knew that he needed more surgeries. Dr. Jackson sends tissue samples to the lab for analysis, while Stephen recovers from the first of what will be many operations. Just watching my son go through what he went through as a mom was just really hard. I was telling Stephen, you're strong. You're going to pull through this. Don't give up. <laughs> over and over. 
But two days later, when doctors take Stephen back into surgery, they find something shocking. I've been in this field for 25 years, and I've seen many horrible wounds that have become infected. I've never seen anything quite like this. We could actually see what appeared to be black mold growing on ribs and in the tissue itself. The wound kept progressing, so we've removed more tissue. Doctors complete the surgery, but they are not encouraged. His infection did not respond. The situation was really quite dire. I didn't expect none of this. I just don't understand how it went to that. Ten days later, the lab results on Stephen's infected tissue come back. Stephen had a disease called zygomycosis. In Stephen's case, zygomycosis is caused by the fungus Apophosomyces trapeziformis. Inside Stephen's body cavity, the fungus seals off capillaries, halting blood flow and causing the surrounding tissue to rot. Once it gains a foothold, the fungus rapidly reproduces, infecting Stephen's skin, tissue, bones, and even his vital organs. The Apophysomyces trapeziformis fungus rarely infects healthy people, but when the body's immune system is already weakened, the fungus can spread at an alarming rate. The fungus grows best at a temperature of 37 degrees Celsius, or 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, which happens to also be the body's natural temperature. And there's more bad news. When we looked at the history of this infection, but 80% of the patients died. His chances of survival were very small. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Sixteen-year-old Stephen Weersing has miraculously survived the Joplin tornado. But now, a fungal infection called zygomycosis is threatening his life. Dr. Jackson must break the news to Stephen's parents. His chances of survival were very small. I just thought about Stephen when he was little. And just compared to now. It was scary. The miracle boy that we had was gone. I immediately asked God why. What did I do? Dr. Jackson put Stephen on a course of antifungal drugs, but they have little effect. Apophysomyces plows through tissues, it plows through blood supplies, which really limited the amount of antifungal medicine that we could get into those tissues. I would just tell him how much I loved him how much I was proud of him and how much I needed him. To combat the relentless infection, doctors must resort to unconventional measures. We had to do a very extreme procedure that involved taking out part of the heart, part of the liver, part of the lung, and ribs. Stephen clings to life on a ventilator. I did not think he was going to survive. You could actually see his lung inflate just standing next to him at the bedside. He looked like hamburger meat. I couldn't even recognize him. You just keep talking to him, let him know you're there. You don't want him to give up, so you want him to know somebody's there constantly, hoping that he hears you. Then... Seven weeks after he was first diagnosed, and after a total of 15 surgeries, Dr. Jackson gets a set of surprising results from the lab. We didn't find any more fungus in his tissue cultures. And we felt somewhat encouraged. It seems that the antifungal medication is starting to work. And one week later, there's another breakthrough. Stephen opened his eyes for the first time. I thought, there's my boy, and... I wanted to hear him say, Mom. <laughs> this is what I did right here. <laughs> I just immediately started laughing and crying. And it was a miracle. They couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It was very surprising to everyone on the team. We were uh, elated. Against incredible odds, Stephen Weersing survives the horrific zygomycosis. When I first woke up, I was looking around, confused. All I could really do is look at my body. I freaked out. They just told me everything's going to be okay. But how did he contract this gruesome infection? The Apophysomyces fungus typically grows in the soil and decaying vegetation. It rarely infects people, but when it does, 
It often happens when the spores enter the human body through trauma wounds. Massive outbreaks have occurred following at least two recent natural disasters, the 2004 tsunami in Asia and the 2011 Joplin tornado. And Stephen recalls the moment of impact. I was with my friends. It started raining real hard. It sounded like loud jets. And that's where everything goes blank for me. The car crashed, and Stephen suffered multiple injuries. The strong winds most likely kicked up the fungus that infected his trauma wounds. His friends survived and helped bring him to the nearest hospital. Five months after the tornado hit, Stephen finally goes home. But his zygomycosis infection has made a lasting impression. The scars that I have are like a tattoo with a story. Everybody looks at Steve's chest, and they're like, oh my god. I look at it, and I say, I love it. I didn't think I was going to have him. I always knew that Steven was a tough kid. <laughs> I mean, um, he's loving my life. Two years after his battle with zygomycosis, Steven is still receiving reconstructive surgery for his injuries. But his life has moved a long way. Me and my girlfriend, Tara, we had a baby. Her name is Briella May, and she's adorable. It felt like someone was jabbing me with a fork in the stomach. And I said, oh, no, so gross, it's gross. Stephen and Monica Williams are a married couple living in Newport Beach, California. I met Monica 27 years ago on a blind date. She came walking down some stairs. And I said, okay, interesting. He was really good looking. We had a chemistry while we met. I think our relationship is awesome. We have a lot of things in common. And there's one thing that brings them together more than anything else. Travel to us is our passion. We've been on 23 countries together. But their favorite pastime is about to lead them into trouble. One summer, Monica and Steven set out on their dream trip, traveling across four countries in East Africa. Every day we were in a uh, van being chaperoned and guided around Uganda. We got to see wild animals and their own habitat, which is just an amazing experience. We saw giraffes, elephants, and hippos, lots of hippos. You're like caught up on the middle of the action, so it's, it's very exciting. A few days into their trip, the couple arrive at a boutique lodge in Uganda. I would call it a luxury tent. Most of the amenities that you would have in a hotel were there. They're built up high elevated with their own bathroom and shower and toilet. But the next morning, they wake to something irritating. When I woke up, I felt something itchy. I had six bites on my chest. They look like a little red dot. And I noticed I had like three little bites on my stomach as well. I say, oh my God, these beds had a fleas. Flea bites are generally harmless, but can sometimes lead to allergic reactions and even infection. We figured the cortisone cream will take the itch away. Wasn't too concerned about it. 
For the next two days, Monica and Stephen apply cortisone to their bites. And the couple carry on their safari in Uganda. We got to take a nice boat ride in there where we appreciate giraffes, elephants, buffaloes, hippos. It was wonderful. But at the end of the day, something spoils their good mood. We went back to our hotel to get ready for dinner, and I noticed Stephen had more bites on his back now. They were growing in size. They looked like the size of a dime. Both use the cortisone cream once more on their bites, but this time, Monica notices something strange. It was really painful and tender. So uh, I start telling Stephen, I don't know if these are flea bites. I start getting concerned. Monica is the eternal worrier. I just told her that I really didn't think it was anything serious. I was annoyed that Stephen didn't want to believe me. Despite the disagreement, they continue on their multi-country safari. And the following day, they leave Uganda and drive through rural Rwanda. After a 12-hour car ride, they settle into their lodge for the night. When we got up that morning, we pulled our shirts up and we saw the bites were way bigger. The size of a quarter. They had like a little opening and they were like oozing this clear liquid. It was gross. Even Stephen agrees. These are not flea bites. No flea bite would ooze something that looks like pus. It was really getting quite ugly, quite painful, and quite concerning at that point. I was finally relieved when Stephen acknowledged that I was probably right. I told Stephen I wanted to go see a doctor, but we're like in the middle of nowhere. There's no clinics or hospitals. So we decided all we can do is just to wait until we get to the city. Two days later, Monica and Stephen arrive in Durban, South Africa, where they see a doctor. It was a show-and-tell time. We had to show this gentleman what we had. I mean, he was, like, in shock to see how bad it was. Stephen had so many. He had about 26 bites. I had a six. My stomach and back were definitely not a pretty sight. They were uh, just boils galore, red, swollen, oozing pus and was pretty unsightly, to say the least. The doctor told us right away there was something growing inside of us. Gosh, I can't believe this. The doctor wasn't really sure what they were, but what he needed to do was to cut into one of them to see what was inside of this nasty-looking thing. The doctor begins the biopsy. The doctor had me lie down, on the table, and then shortly thereafter, he was pulling out his scalpel, and I could kind of hear my skin being cut. I was videotaping, but you know, I got so grossed out that I stopped the film. Because when I realized what they were pulling out of Steven, I knew I also had them inside of me. Pull this white maggot, look like a little worm. I mean, this thing was moving when they took it out of Steven. This thing was alive. It was so gross. I just covered my face, and I just was shaking, and I said, oh, no. Oh, it's so gross. It's gross. As soon as he sees the maggots, the doctor is able to make a diagnosis. The doctor told us what had been growing inside of us for the past week was a tumbu fly. We had live maggots growing in our skin. Inside Stephen and Monica's skin, 
The tumbu fly maggots grow by feeding on the surrounding tissue. The maggots create a tiny air hole in the skin that they can breathe through, but they also use it to excrete a yellow discharge that resembles pus. I mean, you have a live parasite growing in you. I mean, it's, it's, it's not you, it's something else. Good Lord, I've got all kinds of these things on me. The tumbu fly is a species of fly that is native to sub-Saharan Africa. Its Latin name, Cordylobia anthropophagia, literally means human eater. The tumbu fly has a very cunning strategy for reproducing. The fly larvae latch onto the skin of mammals. There, they burrow into the skin and grow into larger maggots, causing inflammation and irritation. After about two weeks of feeding off their flesh, the maggots emerge and eventually transform into adult flies. Between them, Monica and Stephen have a total of 31 tumbu fly maggots living on their bodies. When it comes to getting them out, the doctor has some unusual advice. The doctor suggested that the best way is to remove them ourselves. I was really good old style just to think that I had to pull them all out of myself. But extracting them won't be easy. The tumbu fly larvae have evolved tiny black spines that protrude from their bodies. These spines help anchor the maggots in the flesh, making it difficult for the host to get them out. And if the maggot ruptures in the process, there is significant risk of acquiring a secondary infection. That night at the hotel, Monica and Stephen follow the doctor's instructions. They cover the boils in petroleum jelly, which they hope will asphyxiate the maggots and eventually bring them to the skin's surface. We were like, oh my God, you can feel them that they were like very active. After leaving the petroleum jelly on the boils overnight, the couple begins the process of trying to extract the maggots. So I'm squeezing the boil to try to pop this uh, maggot out. At the same time, I have a tweezer and I'm pulling them out. It did hurt. Monica successfully removes all six maggots from her skin. But Stephen, who has a total of 26 maggots in his skin, faces a far more agonizing battle. I had already been cut once to get one out, and I had 25 more. It was raw, it was painful, I was screaming, but I knew I needed to get this maggot out of me, and it was grabbing on for dear life. I was so much in pain. Another tour group companion assists with his final maggot extractions. I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I think everybody in the apartment building heard my husband scream. It sounds like he was in labor. It was about the hardest fight that I've had, but that evening we were able to extract the last known maggot out of my skin. I was maggot-free and I was happy. It was a relief, you know, to, to have these maggots coming out of our bodies. But that should teach him for not listening to me. But one mystery remains. How did Stephen and Monica contract their tumbu fly maggot infections in the first place? The tumbu fly typically lays its eggs in soil and fecal matter. The larvae can survive up to two weeks 
before latching onto an unsuspecting host, normally a rodent or dog. But they can also lay their eggs on sweaty clothes, dirty diapers, or even wet clothes that have been left to dry outside. And Monica thinks she knows where they got them. We must have gotten this while sleeping on sheets that had a tumble fly eggs. I realize in going to Uganda that there are certain risks, but next time I go to Africa, I'm bringing my own sheets. The following morning, the couple continues their African safari. We saw leopards and rhinos and zebras, and uh, we were joined being maggot-free. But the tumbu fly has made a lasting impression. Fortunately, I don't have any marks left, but Stephen does have some on his body. My scars are a reminder to me to always listen to my wife. To avoid tumbu fly infestations, the CDC recommends using insect repellent and wearing clothing that maximizes skin coverage while traveling in endemic regions. It is also recommended to carefully iron any clothes or linen that have been left on a clothesline to kill any potential fly eggs. They said that he would probably be dead in three months. She was bellowing, screaming. It was so bad. Roseanne Tarantino is a 63-year-old educational aide living in Amityville on Long Island, New York. I have four children and eight grandchildren. Family is very important. We like to spend time together as much as we can. She remains close with her grown daughter, Stephanie Neidhart. My mom is very loving. She's typical Italian mom. She's very loud. She likes to laugh. She's generous to a fault. And my mother raised us that closeness of family is always highest priority. And the glue that holds them all together is the family patriarch, Frank Tarantino. We got married in 1969. I was 19 and my husband was 24. Frank was always a loving father and husband and would always brag about his children. But one evening in late fall, Roseanne notices something odd with Frank. I came home from work and heard coughing in the den. It was a very dry, hacking cough. I came in and and he was laying on the couch. I started to get concerned when I realized that he was coughing every few seconds. I said, Frank, sit up, maybe that'll help. And I got him some cough medicine and he fell asleep a little while after that. But despite the medication, Frank's coughing doesn't relent. And one week later, Frank gives Roseanne some alarming news. That morning, he opened his eyes and told me that the room was spinning. And Frank told me that he had a dull headache. I was concerned. I could see that my husband was nervous also. He went to try to get out of bed. And when he finally got up, his whole body would tilt. I was very scared. So I decided that Frank needed to go to the hospital. Roseanne rushes her ailing husband to the emergency room. They did an EKG, they checked his blood pressure, they did blood work, but the doctor said all the tests came back normal and it was probably an episode of vertigo. People who have vertigo experience a sensation that their surroundings are moving when they aren't. Vertigo can also cause nausea and vomiting. They gave him IV fluids for dizziness. 
And he responded well. So I felt relieved that he was looking better. And later that night, we went home and he was back to his old self. But Frank's recovery doesn't last long. Five days later, the whole family is working together to help Frank and Roseanne's son, Brian. My brother was opening his dental practice. The whole family was really involved. It was supposed to be a nice family day, and it turned into um, a real horror scene. My son, Brian, was on a ladder. He was drilling into the wall. My father was watching Brian, and my father had noticed he wasn't doing it right. My father had asked him to stop, and he didn't stop fast enough. And then my husband reached up and pulled him off the ladder. Frank went to take a wrench out of his back pocket and was going to hit him with it. Brian started to run, and my husband started to chase him with a wrench. I was in total shock. I thought it was out of control, and something was terribly wrong. Brian just ran and kept running. My father was screaming, I'll kill you. He just went crazy. Brian outruns his strangely enraged father. Frank eventually seems to calm down. For a week, the family tiptoes around Frank, fearing another outburst. Until one evening at home, Frank's bizarre behavior resurfaces with a vengeance. In the middle of the night, I heard a loud bang. I went into the hallway, and my husband was on the floor, bleeding. He was very confused and very disoriented. My son Frank lives here, so he came upstairs. He said, Dad, you have to go to the hospital. But Frank was just saying, get away from me, leave me alone. And then all of a sudden, my husband punched him right in the face. I was horrified. I was just horrified. My husband told me that he had the headache again. I was very scared. The family managed to calm Frank down and take him to the hospital. There, doctors sedate him and perform an MRI. Stephanie arrives to the hospital just as the scans come back. A doctor came into the room and asked to discuss the MRI results. There were significant lesions on my father's brain. Brain lesions are damaged areas of neural tissue, often caused by trauma, inflammation, or stroke. They can result in significant pain, headaches, and even lead to violent outbursts. But whatever the cause, Frank's prognosis isn't good. They said that he would probably be dead in three months. I was just devastated. It was the worst news I ever got. Doctors give Frank medication for his headaches and send him home to spend his last days with his family. But Roseanne's daughter, Stephanie, is determined to get a second opinion. And three weeks later, oncologist Dr. Shen Hong Wu of Stony Brook University takes on Frank's case. When I first saw Frank's MRI, I saw many brain lesions. That really concerned me because a patient can die. Something was attacking my father's brain. Dr. Wu felt that we should do a spinal tap. Dr. Wu admits Frank into the hospital for the procedure. The spinal fluid was very cloudy. It appears that his spinal fluid has infection. Pathology tests reveal what the infection is. The doctor said that my father had a fungal infection called cryptococcus. 
Cryptococcus neoformans is a deadly fungus that attacks the brain. I was shocked. I just was like, what? 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 You know, what is it? What? A fungus? I couldn't even comprehend it. In Frank's body, the cryptococcus spores target the central nervous system and make their way to the brain. There, the fungus feeds off cerebrospinal fluid, forming lesions in his brain, leading to his headaches, vertigo, and violent outbursts. Every year, only one in every 100,000 people contracts cryptococcus neoformans. But although it's rare, it's very dangerous. In cases where the infection reaches the brain and causes meningitis, it's 100% fatal if left untreated. I felt like my life was over. Though Dr. Wu has made a breakthrough diagnosis, there is still a serious problem. I was very worried that it was too late to do anything. It was so bad. The brain infection could kill him. So Frank was put on very aggressive antifungal treatment. Weeks went by and we didn't see much improvement. But I was there every day praying for him and hoping that he would get better. Even if he did survive, we didn't know how he was going to be after that. Is he going to live being a vegetable? For four months, doctors continued to give Frank the antifungal medication. Then, one day, the family notices a difference in Frank. Finally, my father was able to show some signs of improvement. The nurses came in to give my father his medication. He was cracking jokes, and it was a relief to see him um, get some of his humor and have some hope. I was hopeful that he would be coming back. I was hopeful. Despite the severity of the infection, Frank Tarantino is able to fight off the deadly brain fungus and eventually pulls through. I don't remember being violent but I do remember getting better. I truly am lucky. My family kept me going. It's a miracle. We were all really happy that he beat it. After his six-month-long bout with cryptococcus, Frank can finally go home. But how did he contract this insidious infection? Cryptococcus generally lives in soil contaminated with pigeon droppings and can also be found in decaying wood inside rotten trees. When contaminated soil is stirred up, the fungus can become airborne and the fungal spores can be inhaled into the lungs. For people with a healthy immune system, the body is typically able to ward off the infection. But when the immune system is compromised, fungal spores can spread unchecked. It was from catching something that we're all exposed to every day. My father, T, is also a diabetic, and when you are having low immunity, it's possible to catch things like this. Today, after months of rigorous physical therapy, Frank has made a nearly complete recovery. Today, my father is doing really great, but he has some significant hearing loss from the fungus, but he has no other symptoms. And here I am. Stronger than ever. They definitely exchanged me. I don't worry about small stuff. I just worry about the here and now. Healthy people aren't normally affected by cryptococcus infections, 
but it is recommended that those with compromised immune systems should avoid environments where there are a lot of bird droppings. For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monsters inside me.